You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Birdo here. And Birdo, we're back with another episode. What do you got for a topic for us today? Um, so it's kind of, it's going to be like two topics. Um, uh, one topic is just going to, is going to lead into the other. The first topic is, is going to be just something I, I was thinking about, you know, over these past couple of days, which is, um, it's, it's just a concept. It's basically, uh, glorification versus verification. And, and I'll explain what that means in a second. And also, from there, I'll kind of transition into just a couple examples of, you know, kind of to the, to the, to the kids, you know, that are, that are thinking about getting in this, this lifestyle. Um, I got an example, a couple examples of just how fast your life can change, you know, in an instant. And, and it doesn't even have to be life or death, but it, it can be. And so I'll get into that, <clears throat> but my first one, obviously, like I said, is is just something, it's just kind of a concept I thought about, man, because, you know, I feel like there's a fine line between what I just mentioned, which is glorification versus verification. And, you know, we received an email that is normalized crime from a listener and basically you know, it was kind of, it was a, it was a friendly, it was a friendly email and then it was complimentary of, of how we present the show. And I appreciate that a hundred percent. And, um, his, his main bone to pick with kind of these podcasts and people that use the platform <clears throat> is that a lot of people, they glorify their stories and their situations. And, um, I agree with that, you know, uh, and he, and he was basically saying that we were one of the podcasts that don't you know, and we kind of use what we got going on to, to spread a different kind of message and use examples. And, and I'm glad that, 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 uh, that concept didn't go unnoticed because that's exactly what we try to do. You know, we try to keep it light. We try to keep it, you know, interactive and, and, you know, not necessarily gloom and doom, but at the same time, you know, it is, it is a serious topic, you know, no, no matter how you slice it. And so, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, it's important to mention, you know, and, and the thin line goes into the verification part. When you say glorification versus, versus verification, I say, I say verification has to come on my behalf. And, and that's why I tell my stories because, you know, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to come off as somebody who's, who's not speaking from experience, speaking from everyday experience and, and I want it to be as genuine as possible. So, so I use my stories to try to um, bring that forward. And so I feel like that's the fine line, you know, is, is you want to be as authentic as possible. But it's like, at what point do you feel maybe somebody could judge you as being glorifying this lifestyle, right? Well, I'm just here to let everybody know that, you know, I'm not glorifying it. And I've stated that from the very beginning from episode zero when I was on the Milwaukee mafia. And that's, a, that's the way I'm always going to be. But I also stated that this is my story and I'm going to be as forthright with it, you know, as, as, uh, as I want to be, you know, I'm going to lay it out there the way I want to. 
And uh, so I hope everybody can appreciate that. Uh, you know, I think about I think about my my situation, and um, I look at the uh, you know I look at my indictment from time to time, and and I just think about the overarching theme of just how how much effort the government went you know went to to put this together. You know, this is a over thirty five thirty eight count indictment. Um, 79 pages or something like that, <laughs> you know, you know, 49 Latin King members. I mean, this is probably number wise, even just number wise, top five indictments of all Latin Kings across the country, um, easily per capita. I mean, Milwaukee's not huge. So mm-hmm. 49 members. And I look at it, man, I look at the wording, I look at the, 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 the laws that, we violated, you know, being charged with the, the enterprise, you know, being charged with RICO conspiracy to commit RICO, the RICO act, you know, just conspiracy to commit murder. It's just, it's such a, such a huge indictment. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the, the consequences are very real, you know, they, you know, a hundred percent they're very real. And I think the problem that society faces, the problem that each and every community faces is that you get talking heads, right? You get people, and this isn't a shot at anybody individually, but I'm talking about like major podcasts, you know, major radio shows, and they're urban, you know? So they're on there and you know it's like they try to portray you know for example like the show drink champs right no shot on them personally but they bring guests on there and they try to portray somewhat a commercial and politically correct answer but also like a underlying um thing that you have to read through the lines to see which is that they have some sort of street cred, you know, and, and they dismiss, they dismiss concepts that are practiced in the street or they boost up concepts that are practiced in the street. And what I mean by that is they put out this picture that people that come on their show and they're stand up people, meaning that they never cooperated or allegedly never cooperated. You know, they 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 pat them people on the back. You know, they they make it look like, you know, they're real people like, man, you guys are real and don't snitch. But out the other side of the mouth, it's important for people to come to to people to come to the police and to cooperate when they seen an innocent person get killed, you know? which I agree with now. That's the right thing to do. But you can't say out of one side of your mouth, oh, don't snitch. But then on the other side of your mouth, you want people to come forth when you think it's a innocent person or whatever the case is. So this is these are concepts that kids are being raised in. Everybody's seeing this because that's what it is. It's like trying to read between the lines. Okay, yeah. You want to be politically correct, but you're also, oh yeah, I'm still hood too. Come on, man. 
And then it's like, people listen to that. Kids listen to that. And they think that's real. You know, they think like, oh, he was, you know, this guy might've been a rapper. He was really in the street. Like they think that's real. So they try to mimic that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the people that really been in the street, the people that really, really been in the street, like, and, and were really doing stuff like that. Those are the people that are always talking about really, really changing. And they're, they're talking about people getting their life together. You know, people that they seen that side, they don't want to go back. Those are the people that really usually have been through something. You know what I'm saying? It's not the people who are, you know, with a wink and a nod still talking about don't snitch. And, you know, I've been a stand up dude my whole life. Like that's even, that's not even relevant, you know, because now you're making kids think that that's what they should aspire to be because, you know, oh, I got to be in this game and then people that you're hearing it from ain't even, they're not even really in the street, man. You know, people are driving Bentleys. They're going home to gated communities. You know what I mean? Like, they ain't in the struggle. They don't see what that shit's like. You know, it's funny, man, because I'm going to give you an example. <clears throat> and, I, you know, because I listen to these different platforms. You know, I like to learn from, uh, you know, like just how things are set up and, you know, maybe like uh, structures of shows and things like that. You know, I, I'm always trying to grow. And, you know, obviously I come from an urban background, you know, so I listen to to things from the inner city all the way to the suburb, whatever it is. Right. And so I always try to expand it. And so I listen to these things and this is why, I, you know, it, it kind of irks me because I feel like it pushes against what we're trying to do as a community, as people that are trying to listen you know, it pushes, it pushes back on our, on our positive push. And I say that because like I said, they're sending out these hidden messages in all these platforms. It seems like to me, and I'm gonna give you, this is an example that I thought about, you know, so this guy, T.I., right. He's a rapper. And, and I just thought about him, like, I, you know, I like his, I like his music. Like, I don't, I don't, it's nothing personal as a person. Right. But I'm just using his situation because I feel like it's relevant to, to use here because this is what, this is what, you know, a lot of kids and street people are exposed to. Now, most people can probably read through the lines um, and they know what I'm talking about here. Right. And that is, there's big controversy around him and did he cooperate? Did he didn't cooperate? You know, what he told and if it's okay for him to tell. What we This is an ongoing theme here. And this is what I talk about when I say about how hypocritical not just gangs are, but just this, this street life in general, right? Like, you know, like what what is street life? What is, what's the code of the streets and all this? Like, let's just be honest here, man. Like, let's be honest with each other, right? Like, let's just think logically here, all right? Anybody who's done any kind of time in the feds, any kind of time in the feds, if you have done it personally or you know somebody or, you know, you were with somebody, whatever it is, if you know, if you've been or spent any time in federal prison or were in federal court, there's one thing. And this is, this is why I bring up my indictment. Cause I'm reading it, just reading the words, just looking at just how everything is so legally bounded. If you think that, Somebody like T.I., who was a seven-time felon and caught gun charges with an arsenal. You know what I'm saying? He got caught with an arsenal. 
If you think somebody like that will get probation, then you're then you're a fool because that would never happen. It would never happen because of exactly what I'm talking about. The legally binding structures of the federal system, man. There's no way you can get below mandatory minimums except for through one way, and that's through cooperation. 3553E is the only way that you can go below a mandatory minimum, which is put in with a five. Everybody thinks it's a 5K1. Yeah, it's a 5K1. A 5K1 is cooperation. But what's also filed, you know, simultaneously with that motion is a 3553E, which can get you below your mandatory minimum. I mean, so that's the only way to get below those. A 924C, right? That's just a firearm in furtherance of any felony. So if you robbed a bank and they gave you 12 years for robbing a bank, well, you got to do 17 because if you robbed a bank with a gun, that five years for the 924C is a five-year consecutive sentence to whatever you get. So that's all that is. But let's just say he got caught with a gun and the mandatory minimum was five years. That's a mandatory minimum. You can never come off that five years unless they file the motion for you and say that you substantially assisted them to, to, for them to make that motion on your behalf. There's nothing you can do, not good behavior, not none of that. I don't, it, that's, all, that's all bullshit. There's nothing you can do. So then the next thing he said, he said, well, I told on my dead cousin. That was what he came out and said. That was, that was, that was his comeback, right? Let's just say that's true. Let's just say that's true. I don't even know if they'd buy that, but let's just say that's true, right? Mm-hmm. Is that not a violation of a street code? I don't, I don't I like, I don't understand these, these, like, to me, it's like so far fetched that people overlook these small things about somebody who like people idolize, you know, they idolize this dude because he's a rapper and he came from the hood and yeah, he was a hood dude and he used to slang work. And, and that's why I said, it's not an attack on him personally. I'm just saying the situation in general, it could be anybody who's in the limelight who used to be in the hood or whatever it is. And they still, you know, that's the thing with me is don't claim you still a part of it. Like, don't act like you still like, I'm this hood guy, right? Like, because at the end of the day, like, we're supposed to be getting past that. Like, if you showing growth, you showing you growing past something, like, that's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to show that you growing past it. So that's the problem. That's what, that's, that's what the youth see. This, that's what they see. They see a culture and they think, okay, I got to be a part of this culture. That's what it is. I'm raised around this. I got to be a part of this culture. that's why I said, man, like, you know, there's nobody that could dispute that when it comes to that dude's case. There's nobody that can sit in front of me and say, yeah, he got around that law because of, um, (laughs) you know what? Another thing he said he did to, to, to gain favor in the judge's eyes, he did a commercial that basically said, stop or don't use guns. Like basically against gun use, gun violence. Yeah, that's an act of good. That's an act of goodwill, but that is not going to get you below a mandatory minimum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just ain't, man. It, it ain't. I would have did every damn dare commercial they asked me to do in my life <laughs> if that shit would have worked. That shit don't work, man. So it's like, it, stop lying to the kids, man. Like stop lying to these kids, man. Like you cannot be a gangster, do gangster shit, 
and get probation if you a seven-time felon, man. You just can't do it, you know? And um, that lifestyle, it only has one of two endings that, you know what I mean, that everybody knows about. We talk about it all the time, prison of death, right? You know, to continue in that life. Unless you turn away from it, man. That's the way it is. And so uh, <clears throat> that was my first part, man. I just I just wanted to bring that up. So just let let's kind of bring around it because I'm I'm sure we probably have a listener that as is as dumb with this type of stuff as I am. But this so this Ti guy is a rapper, and right. So he kind of, from what I gathered, he raps his music that he raps is very much about that he's still a street guy. He's still running the streets, blah blah blah. But he has this whole his history of past things in in one of these convictions he must have gotten parole in a no, situation okay, okay, where okay yeah yeah you're you're way lost all right so let me let me fill you in, me fill you in. <laughs> all right and i apologize if that's how the listeners um but i got a feeling to a lot of people that are listening they probably know a little bit more than you do about it eric so <laughs> that's I, probably that's, but there's going to be that one li- yeah there is there's going to be that one listener that is as dark as i am so there is. <laughs> and, and i apologize because everybody <laughs> everybody is important so let me let me let me up let me up to speed it right so yeah ti was a rapper i guess you could still say he's a rapper but he had a lot of music you know throughout his you know his career as a rapper right and and like I said, I used to like some of his music, but he's older in his career now. He's not really rapping anymore. He's more of a, he's trying to be in the movies and he's, he's an entrepreneur. And, and like I said, he's, he probably still does some good things for his community. That's why I said, it's not about him as a person, you know, it's about the situation and what it represents for everybody else that everybody else that thinks it's like that. Um, so basically his situation was during his rap career, he got, his house got raided and he got caught with a bunch of guns, Right. And early in his rap career, he used to rap about being a seven time felon. Right. And it, and that, that came to the forefront that it was true. So if you're a seven time felon and your house gets raided and you get caught with a bunch of machine guns and 50 round drums, guess what? That equals Dunsky. That equals, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to cook you, you know? So, and it's a federal, he's in, he's in federal court. So like that's my whole point is that there was no way around that. So I apologize for not really explaining that, you know, as far as, you know, bringing it all together, but that's exactly what it was. You know what I mean? And, and my point is that moving forward now that he's a mogul to some extent, you know, he still wants the cred of being a street guy who made it away from that. Nah, you don't, you don't get to do that. You you know what I'm saying? Like you don't get to do that, man, because, because kids are going to look at that and be like, man, look at that. You know, I could live this life. And then at some point, I could go that route, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's a lie, man. It's just a lie. You know, you get caught in there and you're done. It's just that simple, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else you got? Any other questions? No, I just made basically clarification on that. And, and so the idea behind this is that he must have cooperated at some point in time to be able to get that redo where he didn't yeah. actually do time for this. He, he did probation or whatever it was. Right. No, yeah, yeah, 100%. He absolutely cooperated. 100% and, absolutely cooperated. That that's the moral of my story is that is that the the idea that's being portrayed on platforms is that he didn't cooperate and that's what I'm saying is like all the youth and and people that listen to, you know, to hip hop, they look at these shows and listen to these artists and they think, "Okay, that's really real. Like that's really what's going on." Like, yeah, 
yeah, you can talk about shooting people and, and all this other, you know, and selling dope and all that and live that lifestyle. But, you know, you can still got a chance to get probation. No, you don't. Like, mm-hmm. no, you don't. You ain't getting probation, man. You ain't going home off of no case like that. It's not happening. So not everybody's going to have a dead cousin to to tell on. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which I'm not buying, yo. I'm not buying. You, you you can't get caught with a bunch of guns and be like, this ain't mine. This is my dead cousin Ernie's. <laughs> then they're not like, really gonna care. That <laughs> doesn't even that doesn't even sound like half half ass truth. So um yeah, so that was that, man. Um so what I'm gonna do is is as I'm I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna use real life situations. I'm gonna use real real life happenings to show you and to show, you know, the youth how fast shit can change for you. I'm talking about immediately, man. You mm-hmm. know, and um and this goes from a future, you know, to yours truly. To me, right? Mm-hmm. So um <clears throat> the first one that I'm gonna talk about, right, is is I guess it's classified, it would be classified as a kidnapping. Right. So if I were to explain it, it probably, you know, I don't know if it would come off as that, but uh, yeah, it probably come off as it because we basically stopped the guy from leaving. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to put that out there because I, you know, it's, it's basically a, it's a part of being able to decipher, you know, when, when you can separate all these crimes and you can understand why the government was so gung ho, you know, that's why you would, murder, attempted murder, arson, kidnapping. Like you start thinking about all these crimes and I started, you know, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, was I, was I a part of all everything like that? And you start putting it together and you're like, yeah, that was just a, a regular normal day. I did do that. Or I did, you know, but it didn't seem like it, you know, that's why I say it's kind of, it's weird to describe it like that, but that's what this is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I thought it was important to mention. Um, and so, <clears throat> It was basically, I can remember it was a, it was a, it was a normal day in the sense that, uh, there was a bunch of brothers. We were over by Crystal's house when she lived on uh, 28th. We're just sitting around and I think it was like me and Tim and Revy, two, there was a few more brothers there probably scattered out, maybe even some futures, right? So this is right around the time after... It's in a close proximity, I believe, um, after the North Side shootings, right? And the North Side shootings, I mentioned the house we were at and the people that lived there. Well, there was a relative that they were related to to that that family, the native family, and his name was Little Bull, right? That's that's all that's all this nickname was, is was Little Bull. That's all, that's all we called him. During this time, he ended up being the future. And, you know, he wanted to be like, even after that happened, like, you know, he was riding with us, you know, he wanted to ride with us and he was, he was going to be a future for us. Right. Like, you know, we started giving him a chance. We we started letting him come around and, and, uh, you know, testing him out. And, you know, this is, this is a, this is something that, you know, I think, you know, listeners can, can share with with youth, man, and, and, um, their own kids and, and whoever, whomever they're around, like, this is the thing, like, that just seems harmless. It just seems harmless, right? Like he was just, he was like, man, you know what? These guys were cool. They were by my house. Like they seem like good guys, 
you know, man, they're about, they're about each other. They like each other. They love each other. They're about their clique, you know, not really thinking into it, probably just saying, man, you know what? This is a cool group of guys to be around. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously they, he, he's seen and heard about the, the reality of, of shooting, right. You know, like that was his house to, you know, when Duke pain shot the guy in the gangway, two shoots the guy in front of the front of his, that, that's his house. Right. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, yeah, you see that, but this is how crazy the <laughs> it's how crazy that lifestyle is that even if you're not directly in the game, guess what? Like you still live around that kind of stuff. So to be able to be normalizing that, right? Normalizing shooting, like, okay, yeah, that happens. People they shoot at each other, whatever. But this group of guys, like I like the way they really hang out. And so now he's trying to be a part of us. And so, yeah, yeah, that's important to mention because it's just like that, that, that fast organically it happens. Right. And now he's around us, but not knowing that the consequences of being around guys like us just went from everyday living, you've seen people or heard shootings to now you're involved and your life is at risk every single day. I think that thought just goes overlooked. It just, it, it goes, it almost goes unsaid at times, you know? And so always important to point that out. It's life or death. Little Bull was with another king uh, who, he was a newer king. He was a guy named Marcus. And uh, Marcus was a black king. Marcus was another, he was another brother that, uh, he was basically, he basically became a king because of Black Hat. And when Black Hat died, not only did Lawrence want to become a king even faster, because Lawrence was already a future, but, you know, Lawrence was black, but he wanted to become a king even faster. Now, Marcus was actually raised as a GD. It's funny. His his uncle is Booby, and Booby was actually 19th Street, and Booby was also black. But Booby was, it's funny, because Booby was a king before Black Cat. But Black Cat was one nine before Booby was. You see what I'm saying? So that's why I, I always say Black Cat was the first full blooded um, Black one nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but Booby was actually he was actually from the Chicago days, so he was older. Uh, but anyway, so back to Marcus. Yeah, so so Marcus was a Black king, and and he ended up obviously he flipped from folks to to Latin kings. Um, that's a whole other story I can get into at some point. He was a king at this time. Actually, he might have, he might have, he might have still been a future. But best case scenario, he was a king at this time. He was riding for the cause already, definitely. And Marcus was wild. You know, Marcus was not. He was not a. To say it lightly, he wasn't the the the, the brightest bulb in the chandelier. You know, he wasn't the uh, sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, he was about as sharp as a bowling ball, you know, <laughs> but, but he had a good heart though, man. You know, Marcus had a good heart and, and I had a lot of love for Marcus, man. I really did. And I used to like him to be around. He was, a, he was funny, almost sometimes unintentionally funny, but still funny. And just, uh, you know, so anyways, on this day, man, Marcus and Lil Bull went out for a little walk. You know, like I said, we were on 28th and Lincoln at this time. And I believe this this event happened on about 13th 
14th and Arthur, right? So there used to be a little group of Cobras over there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we didn't know these guys' names, right? You know, sometimes we did, you know, that's that some wars with individuals, we knew their name or we eventually found their name out because we were at war with them so much. But some guys, we didn't know their name and we never had the accessibility to really find out who it was right and so this guy right here we used to call <laughs> we used to call him chunky headed cobra that was that was that was the only name he had and he held that name I, to this day i don't know anything else that we've ever called him <laughs> and uh and we've had a lot of run-ins with the guy so at this time he used to be in that area a lot so when when guys were like really looking for somebody we would definitely drive through there to see him to see if he was out there uh, and it was on 14th and Arthur. I don't know if his family lived over there or what. <clears throat> and so, uh, chunky head, right. He had a couple little guys that he was always with and some were probably Cobras. Some were probably future Cobras and they seen Marcus and little bull. They ran up on him and they're like, what's they like, you know, what's up? What y'all claiming basically. And, and, you know, Marcus is like, I'm a land King, you know? And, and, and so, Bam, they start jumping Marcus. Little Bull don't say nothing. They start jumping Marcus, right? They grab him. One of them grabs like his, his uh, I think he had like a Walkman or something on him. They took from him. And, you know, he's fighting with these guys. And, and Little Bull takes off. He runs. When things like that happen, man, it changes how you fill out a person really, really fast. The pain that comes behind that is worse than the, the the ass whooping you're taking mm-hmm. and so marcus got beat up man he got he got roughed up you know not like hospital status you know these guys weren't they weren't grown men beating them you know they were teenagers guys around the same age and, and not really looking to to hurt them i don't think you know they were looking to beat them up rough them up and marcus ended up getting up bouncing up and running off and he makes it back to 28th he walks in i mean we could tell right away you know he's he's you know he's bleeding he's beat up right and he's frantic you know and uh he comes in and he's like uh he's like man them snakes just jumped me man them snakes just jumped me and we're like what snakes he's like chunky head chunky head them dudes jumped me and we're like all right and we're like man what's up you're by yourself and he's like no nah, little bulls with me and i'm like where's he at and he's like man he ran on me and 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 he's hot right like marcus is hot like i could tell and I'm like, what? He ran on you? He's like, he's like, man, he ran on me, bro. He ran on me. And and like as soon as he said that, um, there was like I said, there was other brothers there. I remember now. I'm starting to remember. I think there was. I think the dude Craig was there. Molly might have been there. I think Molly was there. Mario was there. It, there was younger brothers there because I remember. I think it was Craig who was. He yelled into the room and he's like, hey, he's like, he's at the back door right now. And it was Little Bull. And so I'm like, Marcus, get in the closet, right? And uh, <laughs> I'm, dri- I'm I'm I, I'm the Kasinka right now, right? So I'm driving this operation, right? So <laughs> I, 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 Mondi wasn't there. I don't think Mondi was there at this time. And uh, so I'm driving it. I'm driving it, right? And and Lil Bull comes in, right? So I pull him in the room. I pull him in the same room as I had Marcus. Now, uh, you know, in the room with us, it was like me. It was Tim, uh, me, Tim, uh, Mario was there, and two, and I believe Revy, right? Even when Marcus was in the room explaining to us what was going on, the other brothers were like out outside of the room. And I think it was because they were futures. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so we pull little bull in the same room, right? And it's it was Crystal's room at the time. So Marcus is hiding in the closet. <laughs> Uh, this is, this is, I can't, I can't, I couldn't make this up, man. You know, I start questioning a little bit. I'm like, well, what's up, man? What's going on? He's like, man, we just, he's like, we just got jumped by them snakes. That's what he says, right? He's like, we just got jumped by them snakes. And I'm like, really? Who? He was like, he was like, me and Marcus. And I'm like, damn, where's Marcus? He was like, I don't know. He ran the other way. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, what happened? He was like, man, we were just walking, bro. And them was ran up on us and we started banging on them. And then there was a bunch more of them. So we both took off running and we split up. And I was like, damn, that's what happened? He's like, yeah, that's what happened, man. That's what happened. And I was like, are you sure that's what happened? And then he was like, before he could say yeah, Marcus busts out the damn closet. He was like, <laughs> you ran on me, bitch. You ran on me. And so I'm trying to hold it together because, you know, you got to remember, like, if I could give you a picture of what Marcus looked like, you would understand why it was hard for me not to laugh in that situation. Because Marcus was, you know what I'm saying? He he wasn't easy on the eyes, man. Like, Marcus was a hood dude. He had a big heart, but he just, he wasn't easy on the eyes, man. So when he came out the closet like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, chill out. I'm like, chill out, Marcus. Chill out, right? And And, you know, the look in, in Little Bull's face was like... He knew the gig was up, you know, and uh well, and you, you know, gotta I, think how did he not it, like he should have just came clean from the get go this was gonna come out eventually, right <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, unless he thought maybe if he got in front of it, it would turn into a he said he said kind of deal, yeah, I um, suppose, but that's not that's not how. Like, you out. know, yeah, that's not how it played out. One, he didn't have credibility over Marcus. Marcus was obviously, he was either a king already or he was way closer to being a king than Little Bull ever was. And so Marcus was going to get the 100% benefit of the doubt. But I don't know, maybe in his head he thought he had a chance, right? But I seen his face. You know, I think back now and I almost feel bad about it. You know, I just, you know, but you got to remember now, like in, in that time, you know, like there was no heart. You know, there was, there was, I didn't have no heart for people that weren't about our lifestyle, that weren't about, you know, us, you know, especially if you were portraying to be a part of us, right? Like that was the ultimate, you know, like, man, how could you leave one of your brothers to get hurt? You Like you guys, you walk in somewhere together, you either walk out together or you crawl out together. That's just the way it goes or you don't come out at all. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, that's, that's the, that's the mindset that you have. And so for somebody to be in our face that, you know, like you said, to his own stupidity came back, you know what I mean? And was basically like, I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it was ballsy, man. It was really ballsy. And so Marcus comes out. I'm like, all right, chill out. So now I close the door. Right. So we're in the room. Right. You know, I'm, I'm thinking on my feet. I'm thinking on my feet. I'm trying to analyze the situation. I told him, I said, listen, man, you know, there's no way this ends well for you. At the end of the day, look at this brother. Like he obviously has wounds on him. You know, um, there's no way they could get to him without getting to you. If y'all was walking together. I mean, uh, that's just, uh, that's just simple mathematics right there, man. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you, you know, and so. I let him know, like, listen, bro, you're going to have to do one of two things. You're going to have to decide right now. Either you're going to take this minute and a half violation for um, obviously leaving this brother and standing idle, or you walk away 
and you never um, look back. And now you got to remember when, when I offered that, I never had intention of letting him leave that room. Mm-hmm. And, and it's for the reason I just stated. The reason that I just stated was that that was the ultimate betrayal at that time to leave one of your men behind like that. He was never going to get away scot-free. The point of me asking him that is because I wanted to see if he was not only going to take the violation like a man and own up to it, but he was also going to continue to try to ride for the cause. Because if he chose to walk away, that means he was never about it anyway. Mm-hmm. But he still had to pay for lying. And he still had to pay for leaving his brother behind. Because guess what? If he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have ever been around, somebody else would have been with Marcus. You see what I'm saying? And now it's different because whoever else would have been with him, we don't know what would have happened, but at least we would have had another person in that situation. And that's how you weed these guys out, man. And so that's that in my head, that was the process. I'm weeding these guys out. I'm gonna expose you. And sure enough, he goes, Man, I think I'm just gonna walk away then, right? And wow. and it was, it was, it was, I guess, a little dramatic because when I gave him the option to walk out, I opened up the sliding door. And when he said it, as soon as he said it, I slammed it shut. Right. And I'm just basically like, listen, that was the wrong answer. (laughs) You know, that was the wrong answer. I said, but you know what? You get to leave at some point, just not right now. And, you know, that's kind of when the brothers started, they started beating on him. I know I hit him a few times, but there was just so many brothers there. uh, So many brothers that were really, really offended by what had just taken place. You know, all in the same mindset that they couldn't believe that you could do that to somebody that you supposedly are willing to die for, you know, and I seen that rage come out of brothers, man. I seen that rage come out of, and I, I, obviously I let go of it too. You know, that was, that was my belief. Everything that was in my heart was Latin King. And and so, man, we beat that dude up, man. We beat him up bad, man, just down to the, down to the. Down to the end of the night, I remember Revy, um, I mean, I'm talking about everything. Guys are putting out cigarette butts on them. You know, guys are, you know, somebody, I don't know, I don't know who it was. Somebody threw piss on them. Like this dude was just getting, he was getting the ultimate, the ultimate exing without ever being a king. I remember Revy, man, he sat there, right? Because we were all, we all started drinking. Like at, at the end of the day, the brother started drinking, like, and I just left him in the room with them. And we all started kicking it. And the plan was just the next day we we're going to let him go. Uh, that's what I told him. I was like, you guys will do whatever, have your fun, but, you know, don't hurt him too bad. We'll let him go the next day. But, you know, obviously everybody wanted to get their money's worth. So Revy, man, I'm telling you, Revy was a drinker, right? He drank with us all the time, kicked it with us all the time. And uh, he loved kicking it with us. That night, he wouldn't have, he didn't have one drink. He didn't want to drink. And he sat there the whole night. He sat there the whole night, had the 45 in his face. You know, I think back, that's a terrible, terrible thing that happened to that dude. But I think the message is even is even more impactful. Not everybody's been brought down that road. You know, and that's that look, man. This dude wasn't even a king. Mm-hmm. 
Stu wasn't even a king, man. He was a future thinking he was around a bunch of guys that he liked. Not for, this wasn't a long, like it, this wasn't even months. This was, you know, this was a short period of time. And so just imagine that, man. Just imagine that. Like you go from probably a nobody or nothing, never having to worry about getting shot at in your life or beat down and none of that to all of a sudden you're in this life or death crew and boom, that fast, that fast. You're kidnapped in a room and you can't leave because there's some crazy dude that's got a gun pointed at you and everybody's beating on you and all because you didn't want to stay there and get beat up in the first place. And you don't understand why, because you never read the manifesto. You don't even know what the brotherhood is about. You don't even know what you're getting beat up for, you know, because nine out of 10 of these dudes that are entering these gangs, you know what though? I can't say it's like that for every other game because I've been, I've been told that a lot of, a lot of gangs, they don't, they don't violate their guys in, but I'm just speaking on, on behalf of the, the guys that I was around, you know, you're not privy to the inside information until you're inside. That's just how it goes. And, you know, I'd like to think though, even though guys don't take violations for other gangs, man, I know that they're not, they, they, you know, the main guys aren't exposing like, you know, gang gang information with these futures who just started coming around. You know, I, I, I don't believe that. So mm-hmm. I, I believe it, this, this concept carries across, you know, it, it's, it's, it's common. And so, no, man, that's, that's, that's a real deal. Like, and wow. If, I mean, that is like, that's a really eye opening story because you got it. You nailed it exactly right. Like this guy never even got started in anything and had the, probably the most dramatic thing that probably still to this day has ever happened to him, happened to him. And I mean, I guess on the bright side of that story is at, at least, you know, he never went further. Like, I'd be curious, would you have rather have had your situation or now that hindsight 50 50, would you have rather had his situation where you just took this massive beat down and walked away and never had an indictment, never spent time in prison and all these things. Yeah. I mean, I understand the point, right. Um, and to, to, to wrap a bow on that, we did end up letting him go um, the next day. So nothing else happened to him. Uh, he actually ended up flipping to be a two one, and uh, and he didn't learn. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he ended up flipping. And I actually, I actually ran into him again when I was in Wales, and uh, yeah, he was terrified. Even that, even he was even as a two one, he was terrified. But but um, you know, yeah it's the question is, is, is not, it's not something I could really relate to bro, because the type of person you are is going to determine how you respond in those situations. And just the type of person that I was, your response would have never played. Yeah. I I could have never, I could have never thought any other way. Mine was just a natural instinct and inclination Mm -hmm. to, to move for the people that I love and care about. And so it's not, it's not, I understand where you're coming from and and that's probably a good question for a lot of people that can't really see into that. So I appreciate you posing it, but yeah, bro, it's just, you can never guys that are really, really, you just, it's not even something you think about. It's not a contemplation. You just move, you just react. And uh, I was just thinking in my head, like, listen, like like, the guy wasn't around that long. Like literally let's just say his name was Eric 
And Eric came and he was at a party with us. And he's like, man, these guys, they hang out and they party, you know, mm -hmm. because it wasn't like we were just, you know, blatant pieces of shit wherever we were at. Like, no, we, that was the, that was the oxymoron in itself about us is that we were charismatic. We were fun. We loved to hang out. Like we partied, you know, that was the, that was what was so drawing and why a lot of people didn't understand the violence behind it is because we were them kind of guys. So let's just say Eric was with us for two weeks, right? Like, oh, he liked the party. Yo, let's go back to and the next party. And he's like, you know what, man? Like, I like you guys, man. Like, I want to be a king, right? And we probably know, like, you're not cut out for it. But we're like, okay, like, start coming around, showing you want to show your face, right? And the next day, you're walking with Marcus. Right. And that happens. And you're not ready for a fight. You never, you, that's not how you get down. So you take off, you know, and trying to cover your tracks because you don't want to look too stupid. You come and you try to talk to us about it. And now you're in that room. Mm -hmm. And that's how fast it is, bro. Like, that's not that's not a mild exaggeration. That shit really happens just like that. So it's like. These this is what people need to understand is like th these are the things that are important when you spread your message to your son, your nephew or your niece, your daughter your grandchild, whomever it is, the message has to be, listen, it's not going to be always where you have a chance to decide about what you want to do. You're not going to be able to test the waters all the time. That's not what happens. You tiptoe around in these neighborhoods and these lifestyles and you could be, those are always the ones that get hurt. Those are always the ones that get hurt, man, mm -hmm. are the ones that just tiptoe around it. And obviously once they delve into it, it's even worse, but you know, We've talked about stories about the innocent people that get hurt how many times, right? And so those are the ones, the ones that tiptoe around it because you're so, you're so naive to what's really going on. We're privy to the information. We know it's war everywhere we go. You, you're just a newbie coming in. You just think it's, you know, la-di-di, la-di-da. You ain't in the meetings, you know? And so... It, what you it, got? Goes you got back, it, it goes back to something we've said on multiple episodes where the best way to play this situation is to never be put in that situation. <laughs> Just avoid it at all costs rather than, you know, like you said, tiptoeing around it. It's it's just too dangerous. And it's you're going to end yeah. up getting yourself pulled into something that you never wanted to be pulled into. And it's just better to steer, steer clear of it the best you possibly can. And so let me give you, now let me move to the example. It, it actually ties into a little bit of what you were trying to ask of, you know, what kind of, how, maybe how, how would I have liked it if I would have reacted like this? And, you know, obviously, like I said, I could have never responded like that because that's not how the kind of person I am. And so I'm going to give you an example of the kind of person that I am, right? But also a kind of person that we were, right? That this crew that I was with was, you know, this is, this is, this is what we, this is how we moved, right? There was, there was no hesitation. There was never any hesitation. So one time it's me to my brother and Lawrence and Lawrence had the Ruger on him. Right. And so we were just coming from my house right on we're like ninth in Montana. That during that time, man, like we, <laughs> We made sure, like, even though that area didn't belong to anybody, that was, it was mostly, you know, was pushing towards, I guess what you would say was the decent neighborhoods. 
you know, after like Oklahoma and, and and not where I was at, but after like where Oklahoma and all that going towards Morgan, like that's pushing towards like decent neighborhoods. Well, we wanted to make sure that everybody knew like we were over there. So, mm-hmm. you know, and because we had like play, we would go from my house from ninth and Montana to Desmond's house on eighth and eighth and uh, Harrison or yeah, it was eighth and Harrison. And then Mondi lived on 10th and Cleveland. So it's like, we had a, we had a nice like triangle uh, geographical triangle where we could just go from boom, boom, boom. And then we always use the train tracks to escape and go through different routes. You know, like Fro was infamous for like showing us routes and how to, how to get away and escape. And, and, you know, that's, that's a whole nother episode, I guess I just thought about, you know, just, just, <laughs> but, but so we're walking, we get across the bridge on ninth and we're going towards uh, Cleveland. And so as soon as we get on the other side, or what is it? This is Harrison then. So as soon as we get on the other side of the bridge, anyways, um, that's irrelevant, I guess. We're we're walking north, right? Mm-hmm. And right when we get on the other side of the bridge, there's a there's a Jeep Cherokee, a black Cher- Jeep Cherokee, Jeep Cherokee, Jeep Cherokee, sorry, <laughs> that is going the same uh direction that we're going, right? And he's got, they got their windows down and we can, you know, cause we're always on point. Like we're always looking around at our surroundings. This is broad daylight. We're always looking around at our surroundings, especially when we're wide o- out in the open. Cause we like to usually be by gangways or we like, we like to be in cuts in alleys in, in places where we can get away in places where we can, you know, avoid the police. You know, if trouble comes, then we take care of it. But there's certain times where we're just trying to get from point A to point B, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to live. And so, this specific area, man, we were like out in the open. We were caught in the open. There was really nothing we could do. It was, it was, it was wide open where we were all at. And so, um, we were really vulnerable. And, uh, I remember they pulled up. So we're like, man, Lawrence had the gun. So he was already on point. That's one thing. Like out of those four guys that were standing right there, me, Tim, Toot, and Lawrence, we never, ever had to worry whomever of us had the gun, we were okay. Like we knew like this dude's going to go right away. You know, he's going to shoot no matter what happens. Um, and that's not always the truth with everybody. And that's, that's what, um, that's what's crazy sometimes because these are life or death situations. And, and so they pull up and there's like four of them. Right. And I think back, man, we were, we were little, like we look little, you know, we were just just little kids, man. We were mm-hmm. bona fide gangbangers, but we were little kids as far as our stature. And so um, they pulled up, and and right away he looks at us, and we all got our hat broke to the left. Me, Tim, to Lawrence, and I look at him, and my first instinct is to throw the crown up anytime, every time, right? So I look at him, and I throw it up to him. I'm like, "What's up?" And this dude literally sticks his hand out the car and dips the crown. He puts the crown down. So. When you see that, like, okay, let me explain something. I've always been very, very upfront with how I felt about the gang banging and how it had evolved during my time as a Latin King. And I talked about how you, we constantly got into a situation where guys weren't even claiming their gangs anymore because they didn't want the problems that came after it. Mm-hmm. And so... It's crazy as it sounds. We yearned for that kind of response because we knew we had a gun. We knew that we were willing to do whatever it took. Now, obviously from the outside looking in, 
you would think, man, these kids are so naive. They don't realize so they could have a gun too and you could die. <laughs> but nobody thinks about that. You know, you don't think about that. You think about the people you're with, the cause you're riding for, and you're just ready to go. And um, when he dipped that crown to us, we start telling him, like, get out the car, get out the car. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. And he's like, follow me to right here. Follow me to right here to tent. That's what he's saying. Follow me to tent. And we're like, what? It's broad daylight. And, you know, in our mind, this is the first thing we think about is you're doing us the biggest favor because you're you're putting us in a situation where not only are we going to be able to shoot at you and try to kill you, but we have gangways to run through over here now. We don't have to be on a busy, you know, busier street in broad daylight in the middle of an open field, you know, mm -hmm. scattering. We, you're going to put us in a situation. You're going to put us in a better situation. And uh, uh, this is what we thought, right? Now we turn right there and um, it is on Cleveland. It is on Cleveland. So we turn right there on Cleveland. 10th is right there, literally the next block from 9th to 10th. And we walk over there and we're ready to go, Right. And, and I think we contemplated on fighting them at first. Like it, it was, there wasn't ever really nothing said. Like, it, that's what I'm saying. Like these things aren't like, they're not, um, they're not it's thought like, out. Exactly. It's instinctual. It's, it's reactionary. You know, there's nothing, you're not being proactive about the plan. You're going to, you're going to enact here right now. You're just all instincts and we're all on go mode. Right. So we're just heading over there. And, and as soon as they turn on from Cleveland into 10th street, right. Um, there's like a little park right there, like a field and, and it's in between 10th and 11th. And so they turn right there, but then that street they turn on is also a dead end, but they must've lived right there. Cause they stopped as soon as they turned, they stopped the car. Right. And we already had passed, like had walked past, like we had crossed the street behind them and, and like walked past them. So we're still going towards 12th. And as soon as we see them all get out the car, like they started moving towards us, man, Lauren lit them up. I'm talking about with the, with the ruler too. And that was the, that was the, I told you that was the best gun we had. So he's lighting them up. Boom, 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 boom. And, and now we got to take off, right? We take off running. As soon as we take off running, we hear another gunshot and it's a guy running in the field towards us. He's running at us with the gun, trying to shoot us. Boom, boom, boom. He's busting. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're not going through. Cause you gotta remember if we would have turned left and try to go that way, that would have been, we would have been cut off because the train tracks are right there. So you have, there's only certain entrances to the train tracks. You know, you have to get in a certain way because if you just go to the train tracks, like you got a, a 10 to 12, you know, 13 foot drop, you can't just jump down there and keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like you got to have certain ways to get down there. So we couldn't go left. We couldn't go right. Cause that would have been going towards this kind of shooting at us. So we had to go straight basically on, on Cleveland going towards 13th street, which is the busy street, right? Man, this was just a crazy sequence of events, man. Like, like they're shooting at the boom. So we're getting, we're, we're getting low. And um, listen, Lawrence, we were fast, right? Like we were fast as little guys. Me, too, Tim. Uh, Tim was long. He had a longer, me and Toot were quick. Um, and so, but Lawrence, Lawrence was a different kind of fast. He was like, he was like athlete kind of fast. Like for real, like this dude can fly, man. Anytime we had something on us that we needed to get gone, Lawrence was taking it. Like he was gone. So we couldn't even see Lawrence no more. Like I see Tim and I see two and we're running. Right. And we get, it, this is the craziest part, right? We get to, we get to uh 13th in Cleveland. My dad's favorite bar was always right there on 13th in Cleveland. It was called Times Down Under. I'll never forget it. And it was called Secrets before that. 
I'll never forget it, man. We're running, right? And we cross the street, right? And as soon as I get across the street, my dad comes running out the bar and, and, uh, <laughs> it was, it was crazy, man. He heard the shots and he was like, I knew it was you guys. I knew it was you. He was like, I knew it in my heart. I knew it was you guys. And, and, uh, he was like, here, I got a, I had a bright ass gold shirt on, you know, I, I was always, you know, I'm not always in black and gold, but I wore black and gold a lot, you know? I always had the gang colors on when, you know, when I could, when it, it fit my outfit. And, and so he's like, what you, he's like, man, look at you, man. He's like, take that shirt off. And you know, my dad isn't a small dude, you know, he's, he was short in stature, but my dad was a bigger guy. So he took his shirt off and gives me his shirt, man. It looked like it, that shirt looked like a damn dress on me, man. It was huge. <laughs> but His point was just to get me out of the gold shirt, you know, and then we took off, boom, we got out of there. And so, you know, that situation, obviously, it speaks for itself, right? Like, you know, that quick. We were just walking. We weren't really looking for no. anything. We weren't looking for trouble, man. You know, we weren't. And and it just happened that fast. And then that fast turned into that. And that turned into that. And it's like, you know, you went from possibly taking somebody's life to losing your life, right? To running, to trying to save your life from the cops. So it's like everything that encompasses that lifestyle happened right there in that one moment. Mm. It's just amazing, man, that a lot of people, they, they can't bring all those elements together to try to explain to these kids. And, and I hope that's what we can do. You know, I, I can bring all these elements together cause I lived it all. You know, I seen it all, you know, I'm not one of them guys that's going to talk out of school. As they say, if, if I didn't know about it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't profess it. And if I was saying something that I didn't have firsthand knowledge about, that's why I always make sure I let you know, this is what I heard. This is what I think, you know, mm -hmm. coming from different areas. This is how I put it together. I think that's important to to clarify as well, man, because, you know, I want credibility, not for me as a person, but for, but for this platform and this show, you know, I want credibility to be the first thing that people think about, you know, like, listen, man, like that dude's been through it. And he's spreading out a real message that we can we can get behind. I just hope that's that's where it's at, and I hope that's what people see when they listen. If that makes sense, right? Can you do that? Can you see when you listen? I don't know, but <laughs> I, I mean, so well, I don't know. You got something else? No, I mean, I just like both of those stories are just very eye opening, and I hope that somebody takes something away from that. That that just how dramatically how quickly, quickly all this crap happens and that you don't have to be very deep into it to get pulled into it head first. And, and just how terrifying that should be for anybody out there to hear, you know, it, it's funny, man, because there's so many different elements that go into play here, man. I got one more, I can give you one more quick, quick, uh, reference. There was a guy, man, right. <clears throat> There was a guy who started coming around and I think his name was like Bebel. I think his name was Bebel, man. And he's out of prison now, but, but there was a guy, he started coming around, right? Long story short, he ends up getting, getting charged with a murder that he didn't do. And I might've told this even before on the show or, or told you about the name, him, but he, the name does up, ring a bell. So yeah, he ends up, he ends up getting charged. For, this dude's a future. He wasn't even a King. He barely just started coming around. He ends up getting charged for a murder that one of the guys did, you know? And gets convicted on it. Goin does 15 years in. 
His sentence was like 30 years, 15 in, 15 out. Went and did 15 years for a murder he didn't do. God. And <laughs> for anybody that that is in the situation where they're thinking about getting involved in something like this, that story right there should, I mean, that's 30 yeah. seconds of content that should tell you that you should not be yeah. headed to this direction yeah. because, yeah. wow. You know, no glory behind it. No glory behind it, man. He yeah. wasn't a king when he came in. He wasn't a king when he went in. He's not a king when he came out. Nobody even looks at him like this dude is anything, right? And and I, I respect him, right? I respect what he did. I respect him. But I'm just saying, like, as far as there's no accolades, right? There's no mm-hmm. trophies. He got nothing. He got zero. So, I mean, if that ain't a, if that ain't a telltale sign, right? I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, like if you don't see it from there, I I don't know what more visualization you need to to tell you how bad of an idea this all is. 100%. 100%, man. Yeah. So So that's what I got, man. All right. Well, we can wrap this episode up. Do you have a topic for the next episode or? I'm starting to like the idea of keeping them in suspense. You know, because I like feel like, I, right. well, the reason, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why, right? Because, you know, then it makes them anticipate looking at my headliners that I put out, you know, the sneak peeks, you know, and it kind of builds up that, that uh, you know, that edge of your seat kind of feel, right? Maybe yeah, not, totally. but at least that's the way I see it in my head, right? I envision it that way. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let them wait and, and sit on that, man. Yeah. And I think that's a good idea because then if, if, something during the week comes to you that you really want to talk about, you're not like stuck with this subject you said at the end of the previous episode. You can do it, what feels right for that week. So I think that's a good strategy. That is true. That is true. That's 100% true, man. I think think at this point, right, we should be far enough to where we can say that we are going to be having content at some point coming out on YouTube. So guys can look for that. Um, but we also have the Patreon page set up, you know, for, for this community to be built. And I already have some content in the works there. So just a lot of things, people to look out for. Um, and obviously, you know, we always appreciate the, the reviews and even the emails we've been getting about, about, um, just, you know, how we're doing and, and even potential ideas on episodes, man. So, uh, we just appreciate the sport and continue to spread it because at the end of the day, it's about all of us opposed to, you know, just me and Eric. So. Yeah, (laughs) totally. All right. Then with that, we can wrap this episode up. Um, As usual, if you enjoy this podcast, leave a review on your favorite podcast player. As Berto had mentioned, the Patreon page is live. You can find that at uh, patreon.com slash normalized crime, as well as there is a link in your show notes that will take you directly to it. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.